Hello and welcome to Cadet Conversations. Uh, I'm your host, Mr. Gotch, and today we are going to talk about race. And joining me today are uh, a couple students, uh, Mayara Rice. Mayara, thanks for being here. No problem. And Todd Jackson. Todd, thank you for coming. Thank you for inviting me. And Mr. Michael Tome, the principal here at the high school. That would be here, Mr. Gotch. Thank you. Okay. So um, we're going to talk about race, and uh, we're going to start by talking about the terms that we each use to describe ourselves in terms of race. So uh, I will start. I am white, and uh, I'm actually very white. <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> I um, And um, uh, my family is from... Uh, We've we tracked it. I, I think the first Gotch uh, in America was a Lutheran minister from Germany. So uh, going all the way back, uh, very white. Now I uh, did spend a lot of time in Los Angeles, and so I uh, lived in places with a, a lot of diversity. So I think I went from being very white to white, but uh, hopefully a little bit more understanding of the experience of other cultures. Um, all right, uh, Todd, let's let's uh, let's go to you. What term do you use to describe your race? Um, I'm unique. I just, I don't really describe myself especially, I guess. Okay. I mean, I went to Lutheran schools all my life. And so at the same time, I know when to act professional and things, but also know like if I'm around cousins and everything, you kind of got to tone down your vocabulary, you know, speak a little clearer for them. Okay. Uh, in terms of, of the actual, like, you know, the terms we use to describe race, what would you say? Because people can't see you. I guess I'm getting that. Um, yeah. African-American. Okay. All right. So African-American is the term that you use. All right. Mayor, how about you? I just identify as black. Just okay. call myself black. Okay. And Mr. Tom, how about you? I identify myself as biracial. Um, my biological mother was uh, white. She's actually Hungarian and, and Danish descent. And uh, my biological father was African-American. So so really my whole life I've, I've, uh, I've identified myself as, as biracial. Okay. Um, now I want to talk about um, when I when I talk about race, which I've, for white people I don't think we we. I mean, okay. I'm going to speak on behalf of some white people here because I'm, <laughs> I'm the white representative. Uh, my, in my own personal experience, I think white people don't talk about race because it's uncomfortable for us. Uh, and in the past, we have maybe said things that were offensive, inappropriate, whatever, and we don't know how to talk about it. And because we don't talk about it very much, we don't know how to do it, okay? So I'm hoping that you guys can help uh, me along with this path. Um, and when I when I do talk about uh, race, the thing that I go back to is uh, something that happened to me my senior year of high school here at Concordia. I went to a graduation party of a friend of mine. Her name is Tiffany, and she's black. And um, I, I showed up at the party, and I walked in, and it was... Um, all her friends and family, uh, and I looked around and everyone was black and I was the only white person. Okay. And it was the first time growing up in Fort Wayne, which is predominantly white that I had ever been in a situation like that. And it was the first time that I ever felt my race. Like I never felt white before until that moment. Okay. So I'm wondering if you guys can remember the moment or a moment when you felt your race, maybe for the first time or early. Um, my Eric, do you have... An example of that? Yeah, well, I went to, like, elementary and middle school, Southwest. Like, I went to Covington and Woodside. I should have went to Homestead. So just first grade, like, I was the only black person in my class besides my cousin. So 
like my whole young life, I just felt black. Okay. Uh, Todd, how about you? Um, I'm with the St. Paul. That is a Lutheran school downtown. So me and my brother were the only black people in our class till about second, first grade, I think. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't think I've, that, that's never happened to me. I don't really feel black. I mean, yes, people may look at you funny, but you don't feel, I don't know how to like feel a race. So. Okay. Mr. Tom, how about you? Yeah, um, I remember distinctly I was in uh, second grade. I went to a Lutheran school just like Mayor and, and Todd did in uh, Monroe, Michigan. And um, I was in second grade. And, and, you know, what's different about me is I'm adopted. And so my parents are both very white, as you say, as well as uh, several of my brothers and sisters. And and so um, I was the only only um, a student of any, any uh, um, diverse background in my school. And when I was in second grade, I remember um, my parents coming to pick me up, and and really it was just one of my friends, and and he was uh, he was a good friend of mine. He wasn't saying anything, you know, that was mean or, or ill spirited. He just he kind of looked at me when my parents showed up, and he had seen them before, but it just dawned on him whatever that day, and he said, "Boy, you don't really you really don't look like your parents," and uh, and, and I didn't, and and so it was the first time it kind of occurred to me that. Yeah, you're right. You know, I mean, I knew I, I knew I was different, but um, that's when I, for the first time, I'd felt my race. And then, and then, really, all through grade school, it was the same thing. And then in high school, so I was the only person, only only uh, biracial black person in my school until I got to college. So all through grade school and all through high school, it was the same. It was the same thing. So it was, uh, and most of the time, it was felt when when uh, people saw the rest of my family, and I thought, wait a second, you know, what's going on? Okay. Can you talk about the experience, since you're the only one here that's biracial, how, how that experience is different? Yeah, I think, it's, I think it often makes people more uncomfortable. Um, and I think for, for biracial people like myself, it can, ma- it can take a long time to, to know exactly kind of where you fit in. Um, and, and the uncomfortableness for people, especially, you know, growing up, you know, I went to school in the 80s and 90s um, when you really didn't talk a lot about it. Now it's maybe a little bit more even accepted in, in society. Um, but people don't know where to fit you. You know, they don't they, they don't know what box to put you in. You know, I mean, you can confidently say I'm white, very white, you know, and, and some people confidently say, well, I'm black, very black. But but when you when you start talking about biracial and multiracial, you know, uh, people, you know, it, it's kind of like, well, are you half black or are you a quarter black? Or are you three quarters black? And sometimes that's not only your skin color, but it's how you act and behave that people want to put you in in a certain box. So it's I think it's a little bit different because I think the level of uncomfortableness rises a bit for people because they just don't know where to put you. So how did you navigate that as you were growing up? Not well for a while. <laughs> you know, I mean, it was just, you know, you go through spurts where, um you know, where you try to act different ways. Uh, so I'd go through phases where I'd try to really fit in with, with a whiter crowd, and then I'd go through phases where I'd really try to fit in. It was just kind of depend on who I was who I was around. Um, I distinctly remember a conversation in college. Um, it was my freshman year playing on the basketball team, and uh, one of the other guys that got recruited with me, he was from a little bit northern, northern part of Michigan, and, and he just looked at me, and, and we were having lunch one day, he just looked at me, and he said, so, Tom, what are you? And I said, what do you mean, you know? And, and so he, he's like, what are you? Are you black? Are you white? And I said, well, I'm both. And he's like, you know, but, but really, you know, really, what are you? And, and so, you know, navigating that just as I grew and matured and, 
and learn more about it. I actually, you know, when I was in high school, printed off this multi multiracial bill of rights that basically gave me some comments to say, listen, you don't have to be, you don't have to, you don't have to solve everybody else's, you know, um, uh, questions and, and uncomfortable nature. And so that helped me a bunch, really. It was, it was probably my junior in high school that I found that. And, and actually two of my younger brothers are biracial as well. And so I shared that with them. And so navigating through that has been a process, and still to this day, too. You know, people often, they don't quite know where to put you. A lot of people will guess. They'll say, you know, why are you? I think I recently heard Middle Eastern or something like that. So it's it's just interesting <laughs> to see uh, where people kind of, they throw darts at the wall a little bit on that. Todd, you talked earlier about, um, you know, you speak differently around different people. Can you talk about whether you feel sort of, like you have to be a different version of yourself depending on where you're where you are and who you're hanging out with um yeah i've noticed that especially as i've gotten older like as you know i'm in the pro-life group and such and when i go to things like that like the legislative reforms or anything of that nature i'm the only black face you'll probably see and so i've kind of gotten used to it but at the same time it's still a little shocking to me to see that you know that the african-american community community is not getting educated enough in that but also like if i have a family reunion in the summer i'll go and then i'll show them this song or that song and they'll go oh that song's white or why are you talking like that or some crazy stuff like that and it's like i'm not talking anyway you know this is just how i was raised i'm sorry that you don't have the same education i have or the same vocabulary so you kind of got to switch it on and off mayor mm-hmm. do you have that experience too do you have have those kinds of situations where you feel like you have to be different around different people yeah like I'm the only one of my siblings who went to school Southwest. The rest of them went to Fort Wayne Community. So, like, I hear that I talk white a lot. And you have to, like, navigate how you talk around certain people because you can't say the N-word around your, like, white friends because then they'll think it's okay and they'll say it and it's not okay. They all think it's okay and it's not okay. So you have to, like, tell them because sometimes they just don't know. Other black people let them say it, so you have to, like, tell them not everyone's going to be like that and it's not generally accepted. So, yeah. Have you been in situations um, with your friends where like they'll say something and they think it's cool with you, but actually it's totally not cool? Oh, yeah. This is like every day. Like they'll say something. There'll be a song and like they'll say the word. And I'm like, it's just I just don't like it. Like, I don't like to be called that. So, yeah. Yeah. Todd, how about you? I agree with her totally. But I mean, at the same time, I try to like encourage my friends and stuff to like stop saying it. You know, even some, sometimes I struggle with saying it. But at the same time. When I get around... Are we talking my, about the N-word, by the way? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. When I call to get around my white friends, you know, we're saying... They're singing a song or something, and it comes up, you know, want to, like, look at me, and then the other one to say it. So it's like, they'll be like, mm, and I'll be like, ah. You're looking for so, permission. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, I remember yeah. all of those, all of those things mm-hmm. in high school, especially. I mean, I think it goes back to that uncomfortable nature, but people will start to say it, and then they'll pause and look at you, mm-hmm. and then they'll stop. And then some will just keep going and some will stop. But but I think, you know, getting up, letting people know where you where you stand, like, hey, that's, nah, that's not cool with me, then probably the best way to go with it. Especially even in, like, if you're reading, like, history class and you say, like, Negro spiritual or anything like that, they'll even, like, stare at you in class. <laughs> Especially in, like, grade school is bad. Like, the whole, like, civil rights thing, people are just, like, like staring. <laughs> yeah. I was like, uh, it's okay, it's in a book. Like, yeah. you can, I can't stop you from saying it if it's in the book. I think so. they expected me to start singing. When yeah. Oh, you know? oh, yeah. Like, inquire. Oh, it's, it's a Negro spiritual song? Todd's got the solo. <laughs> You're Todd the solo. What do you wish that, that people understood about the experience of, of being, uh, you know, a person of color that they don't get it 
are, are there things that you that you wish that they I mean obviously this is one of them right so not making it weird not saying words that obviously are offensive words but are there other things that you wish people understood like um well like slavery and civil rights I guess because you know they made a big deal when Barack Obama got elected because he was the first black president you know my friends are like if you vote Republican blah 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 how can you like Obama and I'm like well you don't understand what that meant that was a major like stepstone for the black community we went from getting shipped across the ocean getting beaten spat on and all this other stuff to getting sprayed with fire hoses and now we're president of the United States so I, I wish they would just understand more like where we came from to like where we are now okay Mayor how about you like kind of what Todd said about even if you don't support everything Obama does like as a person you can still like him I feel like they don't understand that and like just all the stuff that's happening now with police brutality and Black Lives Matter like there's a picture and it's like um surfacing in it and it I mean surfacing and it's about like Black Lives Matter like everyone gets a dinner and like someone said they want dinner but they could get it themselves or something it's like just explaining it but people don't really understand it like until you experience racism firsthand you can't tell us like that doesn't occur and that doesn't happen to you so okay can you share uh, an example when you when you've experienced racism um, okay. either either any of you guys yeah. um well when I was young my first experience is in like third grade you know I'm I'm big, so I already get stairs. Because I was a big third grader, so I was in um First Tower Bank downtown, and it was this old this old white lady. She was like five four, like barely 120 pounds. So I walk in the elevator, and she's staring. I'm like, hey, how are you, ma'am? You know, blah blah blah, small talk. She literally steps to the corner of the elevator and like clutches her purse, like clutch and like stares like noticeably. So yeah, or like one time I was walking down the street with Tariq, and like this is your everyone, brother, yeah, uh-huh, your twin brother, yeah. And everyone locked their car. You can hear just click, click, click as you walk farther and farther down the crosswalk. Okay, Mayor, how about you? Just being black and being a girl, there's already, like, a lot of challenges. Because when I was younger, I had really big dreams. I wanted to be, like, a heart surgeon. So I like, love Grey's Anatomy and stuff like that. And people would be like, are you sure you can do that? Like, has anyone else in your family went to college and things like that? Like They would just ask you that? Yeah. Like, even, like, at school, we had a career day. And someone was like, you might want to, like, try being a nurse. Or do you think you'll get into college because it's really expensive and things like that? It's just you have to deal with stuff like that a lot. Yeah, Mr. Tom, how about you? Yeah, um, I can remember distinctly when I was a junior in high school. <clears throat> I was on the basketball team, and we, we would be out in the community, you know, doing fundraising. Uh, not really fundraising, but service projects, I should say. And um, we're working with the Knights of Columbus or something and trying to raise money for them. And, and we're out on, on the, in, in the uh, on a shopping mall or something like that and outside, and it's January, it's cold. And so my, a friend of mine, um, who he was white like every other kid in my school, <laughs> um, but he was ahead of me probably about fifty yards, and uh, and I'm I'm uh, we have the same you know papers whatever it was cold so I was kind of like bundled up, and a uh, lady had dro- uh, drove out of the parking lot and had come up and she was going to slow down and pay for a paper or whatever we were selling and and she got close and couldn't see me because I was bundled up she saw my face. And she stopped, and she rolled up the window, and she locked the door, and then she drove ahead and stopped at my friend and and bought a paper from him, um, and uh, so that that hit me kind of hard, you know, because I it was really nothing that I had done. It was just it literally was the way that I looked. She literally looked at my face, and that was and that was it. Um, and then you know just different things kids kids would say in high school. We're same thing basketball, and we're coming out. And it had snowed during practice, and. 
So, and these guys were, you know, your friends and stuff. So we were walking out and, and uh, one of them, his car was covered in snow and he shouts across the parking lot, hey, Tom, you're the black kid. Why don't you come and wipe off our cars, you know, and so we can see and whatever. And so, you know, it's just those things that people say that are kind of. To them is a joke, but. Yeah, somewhat, um, somewhat of a joke and somewhat they think it's okay. Yeah. You know, they think it's okay. Um, I think going back to your question on what do you hope or what would you like people to know, you know, one of the things I've always found fascinating is, you know, black people oftentimes, or even biracial people, oftentimes have to have to um, answer for or, or, or whatever for the entire race, right? Like nobody goes up to a white person and says, well, you people do it this way, you know. But, but oftentimes when you're black, you have, to, you have to answer for the entire black community, and and not only is that not fair, but how could one person do that? You know, I mean, it's almost like if you're if you're white, you have an opportunity to be an individual, be an individual, right? If not, then you're part of that group, and so that's how that group acts, talks. Like Todd was saying earlier, um, that's what they do. Like Myron was saying earlier, they do or don't go to college, or they do this or do that. And so you know, you're kind of put in this interesting position where you're answering for a whole group of people that are all individuals, just like everybody else. And uh, so that's what I wish people would consider more: is that it doesn't put you in a box that that is so you know limited. But you're an individual, just like everybody else, with your own set of experiences, with your own set of goals and dreams, and and uh, you don't have to answer for for the whole community. Yeah. Can you just to go back to something that Mayor has said, Mr. Tome, I wonder if you could talk about what it meant for you to have a, a president that was biracial. Yeah, you know, it's funny. It's just funny to me sometimes because uh, I remember exactly, you know, as that whole uh, presidential race was going on. And I was a principal of a school actually in Michigan. And um, um, I was I was the only black person in that in that school as principal, teacher, kids, whatever. And so um, it was a very conservative place. And so people were just very stringent on we got to vote Republican or else the whole country is going to, you know, go under. And and they look at me and they said, but, but nothing against you, <laughs> as if I had to answer for, you know, Barack Obama. But what it meant to me was um, – you know, kind of like what Todd was saying earlier, it, it was it was a step forward, you know, that people in, in the country could see past. Now, regardless of what politics you agree with or don't agree with um, and and but but got a chance to go past skin color and decide based on on somebody's political views, um, which I don't think had ever really been considered in the past. Um, which I think was was really good for the country. Not, you know, regardless of like Myron was saying, whether you like him or not. You do have to respect the fact that people were able to, a country was able to look at that in a different way. And given really not a, a long history, you know, of civil rights and civil rights have been in place. So it hasn't been really that long when you look at it. Um, um, that, that's, that's a pretty neat accomplishment. Okay. Um, one of the things that also I heard a lot after President Obama was elected from white people was sort of this and they didn't come out and say it directly but it was sort of like okay now now we're done now everybody's equal now we're all you know and you know Mayor, you mentioned earlier the 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 conversations that people have been having about police brutality and the black lives matter movement and i've even heard things here at the high school um sort of push back on that and it, it i mean it makes me sad I, i'm wondering if you guys could talk about how far you think we still have to go and also 
how how people need to be careful about the way that they talk about that kind of progress because I think, um, at least for me, when I hear people talking about, for example, I use the Black Lives Matter movement and, you know, I, I heard someone say, well, really all lives matter and it's not about that at all and I don't think they understand when someone says that, what a what a person who cares about, for example, you know, uh, brutality happening against people of color, what message they hear when somebody says that. So I guess this is a really a really long question that I'm asking, but um, just talk talk to us about where you think we're at and, and where we still need to go. I think we still have a while to go until people understand that like Black Lives Matter isn't saying black lives are more important, just that they matter as well and as much as other lives, like the things happening to them should be as talked about as if it happens to another like person of a different race and I don't think that's happened yet like people love to say that we're we've come so far and everything's so right but it's not because people still treat black people differently they still act differently and until they like if you even have to like feel like the n-word it's not okay but if people still think that using it is okay then we still have a long way to go I feel like okay Todd your thoughts on that um (laughs) Um, I kind of have to go along with what you said where someone said all lives matter. I mean, I get, I mean, I understand where they're coming from with the Black Lives Matter thing because we're basically the only ones that you hear about on the news getting shot at or shot and killed. So, I mean, the whole Black Lives Matter movement does make sense to me, but at the same time, I'm, uh, I think all lives matter. Right. I mean, granted, you don't hear about oh, a white kid got shot today or anything like that because... Yeah, but if cops were going around shooting white people for being white... I think we would hear about that a lot more. Yeah, that's why. I, that's why I don't get the whole Black Lives Matter thing because anyone can get shot. You could be Arab, you could be Muslim, anything, and then there would be oh, Muslims Lives Matter or anything like that. So I don't know why people are making just a big deal out of it. Right. Okay, Mr. Tom, your thoughts on where we're at societally and, and how far we have to go? I heard a. Um, I had the opportunity a couple weeks ago through the Fellowship of Christian Athletes to hear uh, Ben Watson speak. Um, ben Watson is an NFL player. He's a tight. I think he plays for the Ravens now. He used to play for the Patriots and and um, Browns, I think. But um, he had a really interesting take, and and it was really on the heels of the um, a, a number of police brutality situations. And he just he just got writing, you know, his thoughts from his heart on on racism, and and he said, you know, that racism is 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 really a sinful behavior. And, and until we recognize that, then it's really, you know, we really got to change on an individual basis. There's no program. I think we've been through enough programs. You know, you've been, you go through programs and taglines and all these kind of things, and, and that, not, that doesn't really fix it. You know, what really fixes it is a change in heart for individual people. So I think from a human race standpoint, we have a long ways to go regardless. But I think this issue will continue um, because, because it's a human heart issue. It really is. It's a human heart issue. If you can't look at the person across from you and see that that um, that they're a child of God, that they were created by Him, and that they matter, and that they've got worth in this world, regardless of where they come from, what they look like, it, you know, all those kinds of things, then you know, um, then, then I think we got a ways to go on that. But but I feel that way about a lot of things, not just racism. Uh, and so so I think that that programs and all these kinds of things, you know, can raise awareness. But ult- the ultimate awareness is. Uh, it's a hard issue, and we've got to really, really, you know, look inside and, and get people to, to change their hearts about that. You know, as I listen to these young people talk about it, too, you know, I, I go back to my high school days and just how deflating it can be when somebody says something to you 
based on something that you cannot control, right? I couldn't control the color of my skin, but I knew that there were people that had a an opinion about me, um, that, that had a view of me and, and did not even know me. And to me, that's a hard issue. Yeah. Okay. To close up here, I, I wonder if Meyer and Todd, do you have thoughts on what we can do as a school to try to improve uh, these things? Are, are there ideas that you have or, or suggestions that you think we could we could implement here? Um, I feel like for the most part, just like the race issue, it's just how people feel. You can educate them as much as you want, but like if they really feel something, they're not just going to change because you present them with facts. So even if you explain like Black Lives Matter to them and saying that it's not saying that white lives don't matter, it's just saying that right now we need to focus on making sure everyone understands Black Lives Matter. If they feel in their heart that it's not important, they're not just going to change. So. There's not really much you can do about things like that. You can try to educate people because some people will, like, take it and listen and acknowledge it, but others will just, they won't care. Okay. Todd, how about you? Yeah, kind of what she said, just educate them because, like, my mom always says you can't help where you grew up. You can't help what you learned when you grew up. So, I mean, if these people do happen to come to the school racist, I mean, you can't, you're not going to change them in four years. I mean, if they they grew up seeing Confederate flags and were this and were that, then you can't really change them, so... I don't think the school can honestly do anything more. I mean, with the voucher program, you guys have already became more diverse. So I think that's Which I think helping. is great, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's helping. But other than that, you can't really do anything unless you go around the halls playing music or something. I don't know. <laughs> mm-hmm. but Mr. Tom, what are your thoughts on that, about what we can do to, to get better than where we're at? Yeah, um, you know, one of the things that I that I would love to see, um, and I've mentioned this before, you know, to a bunch of people is, is – you know, role models are such a big deal to me, you know. I mean, I had them when I was growing up, and you talk about when you hear successful people talk, you hear people talk about it, they, they've always had, like, a role model, somebody to look up to. And and um, I, I don't think right now in our school we have enough role models of color um, that are that are helping to serve, you know, the place. I and mean, coaches, yes, but, you know, faculty, staff. Uh, and so I've been reaching out to a few a few folks that, you know, graduates of Concordia Lutheran High School, people that have gone here. I'm, I've mentioned this, you know, to a few people already is, you know, I look at Concordia is about 10% African-American. Just specifically looking at that one, we have got other um, ethnicities and, and races, Asian and Hispanic. But, but if we just focus on African-American for right now, um, we've, we're about 10% African-American. So if you go, you know, each class, let's say between 150 and 200 kids, you know, 10% of that over the course of four years. I mean, you're looking at 60 to 80 kids, you know, in the, in the course of four years. So in a four-year period, you've got graduates, 60 to 80 graduates that would be African-American. Um, of the number of people, and, and Concordia is kind of unique in this, that of people that have graduated from here, like yourself, that have come back to teach here, um, zero of them are African-American, right? And so part of my question and part of the thing that I'd love to, to pursue a little bit more is how do we connect those people? Because they got the same education. Uh, they're very well prepared. They had a great experience. Um, but but how can we connect them back to not only be role models for our African-American students, but for other students as well just to say, you know, to see successful people and, and people that have great hearts and that have all kinds of great things. So that's one of the things I think we can do as a school is provide more role models in that area. I think we have some good ones now, but, you know, I'm talking more faculty and staff. Um, That's one thing I think we can do. Okay. All right. Well, we are out of time. I want to thank all my guests for joining me, Mayara Rice. Thank you. Todd Jackson. It's been fun. And Mr. Michael Tome. Thanks, Mr. Gatch. I appreciated the time. Okay. And thank you guys so much for listening. Free your mind.